Two Khmerican Sisters, a podcast that was started to discuss meaningful topics and issues from the lens of two Khmer-American sisters and other diverse community leaders. This is about untold stories of war and genocide by two Cambodian survivors, our mom and our grandma. In case this title doesn't give it away, this is a disclaimer that some of the stories will not be appropriate for children and can be a little graphic. Welcome to the Two Khmerican Sisters podcast. We are your hosts, Melissa and Jasmine. Jamnyapsu, everyone. I am happy that we have the opportunity to share our family stories in this special episode. All right, listeners, thank you for tuning in and to show love and appreciation for our Cambodian community. You have made my day because this has been a long time in the making. I've been wanting to do this my whole life. You know, to be able to capture my family's personal struggles and hardships during the Khmer Rouge regime and the Vietnam War. Um, and this project required us to translate the recording from Khmer, the Cambodian language, to English. This is a very special episode that will give you an in-depth look into my family's backstory. And you'll hear firsthand from my grandma and my mom. And you'll learn about how our relatives became U.S. immigrants. This episode will be a mixture of English and Cambodian, so we are going to do our very best to translate two things that you'll get out of this episode. First, a history lesson of the Khmer Rouge, and secondly, a unique cultural experience. And if you haven't heard the language of Khmer before, well, here's your chance to be exposed to it. This is a meaningful episode because we grew up learning about Cambodia's history, specifically the time of the Khmer Rouge, which our family and Khmer community experienced firsthand. Everyone's story is different, and it's not easy to revisit difficult and excruciating memories. So we thank our mom, Matt, and grandma, Ye, for being open to talk to us about this part in their lives. We can't imagine the fear and pain they had to go through, yet they remain so strong and accepting of their experiences. At this time in our country, when we especially need to have more empathy towards one another and seek understanding of who people are and where we come from, we hope you find value in hearing the perspectives of our mom and grandma, who are Cambodian refugees. You will hear my mom code switch as she speaks. Code switching in our context is the ability to use two languages interchangeably. Symbolically, this shows that my mom has held on to her native tongue, the Khmer language, while also embracing the use of the English language as she has spent many years here now in America. Um, my mom V and Grandma Vaughn were originally from a town called Kampot in Cambodia. Their family were farmers and their past generations have lived in the countryside. ចាំចង់ដឹងថាពេលដែលយើងនៅស្រុកខ្មែរហ្នឹងស្រុកយើងមិនស្រួលមានសង្គ្រាមអញ្ចឹងណាម៉េចខ្លះម៉េចអញ
So my mom starts off by asking my grandma to recall the stories and history of the Khmer Rouge and Pol Pot's dictatorship. And as my grandma thinks and contemplates, she sums it up to say, well, there really isn't anything more than the fact that, well, obviously, we were on the run for our lives. And just to let you know, my grandma is a woman of very little words. And before this recording, she was quite nervous. Um, so my mom is doing most of the talking to help jog her memory. My mom and grandma reflected briefly about that time in history, and I want to give you a little more context. In 1970, Khmer General Lon Nol seized power in the Cambodian government from a military coup and was supported by the United States that was involved in the Vietnam War. During this time, the U.S. administered secret bombings in Cambodia, which impacted many civilians and caused the public to lose trust in their current government. These events triggered the Cambodian people to welcome in Khmer Rouge soldiers at the beginning to lead their country, and over time, the soldiers began to grow bigger and bigger. Pol Pot, a guerrilla leader or dictator, marked 1975 as year zero. From 1975 to 1979, he led the Khmer Rouge to fulfill his radical ideas to cleanse the country's population and start his new country, Kampuchea, under his rules, which began the Cambodian genocide. Yeah. <laughs> It's so difficult to fathom the horrors and terrors of this awful time. But here are the facts. About a third of the Cambodian population were brutally murdered. That equates to 1.5 to 2 million deaths. Frequent arrests and executions were carried out to anyone who were suspected of having connections with the former government and foreign governments. The ones that were targeted first were doctors, teachers, professionals, intellectuals, Buddhist monks, ethnic minorities, and even those stereotyped of having intellectual qualities such as wearing glasses or speaking multiple languages. Innocent people were often tortured and worked to death due to exhaustion, sickness, and starvation. This Cambodian genocide was a purification of an entire population. My mom and grandma stated here that after the soldiers started running out of people to perform the daily essential work in the city, they started knocking on doors in their farm community to round up more people to work in conditions like an imprisonment camp. The government officials started to survey people to see who was still alive, and our family's name came up on the list. Yeah, 
So we asked them how old they were at this time. And my mom said that she was about six or seven years old. And my grandma doesn't really remember how old she was, but she believes it it was around um, 36 years old. And my aunt is a year younger than my mom, and she was around five or six years old. Our grandpa, grandma, aunt, and mom were forced to split up and perform different types of work. The men, the women, the kids were all separated and were not allowed to see each other unless permitted to do so. Our family was taken to the city from the countryside, and keep in mind, they were farmers and not skilled workers, so most of the work they were given were very laborsome. So our great-grandmother cried knowing it would be the last time she would be able to see her family. She wasn't able to go with them, and she really feared for their lives and what they would do to our family. My family followed the soldiers who had them line up and hop onto a huge wagon when their names were called. Our great-grandmother was distraught and cried so hard as our family got dragged away from their homes. My mom expressed that our great-grandmother was probably thinking that they were bringing her children to die and will never return home. It was a devastating moment. So they brought our family to the city and apparently my mom had a very awkward and funny experience of using the restroom for the first time in the city because in the countryside it was more normal for them to go into the forest and pretty much squat in a hole on the ground to do your business and she laughs because she remembers her um, slipping falling sliding all over the bathroom floor not knowing how to do the number two and things like that um, so that's why you hear her laughing about this moment. Yeah. 
The way they separated kids from their parents was horrible. The kids were brought to an imprisonment camp. I can't imagine how they felt. Families were only allowed to see each other once per month or whenever they were authorized to. So during this time, they were forced to do work. So my grandma cooked every day for the soldiers, while my grandpa was a truck driver to deliver gasoline throughout the cities. My mom and her younger sister were forced to do landscaping, like pulling weeds, picking up litter, and other laborsome tasks. They were only six and seven at this time. Many of the kids cried and missed their parents because they were all separated. I'm sure this was such a confusing time and they didn't understand what and why this was happening. One day, my mom got really homesick and missed her mom and dad. When they lived in the countryside, she was so used to being together with her family, so it was shocking to be in the situation where families were separated and even her parents weren't allowed to be together. She didn't know how her parents were doing, whether they were ill or not, so she really wanted to see them and hug them. My mom said that she and her younger sister pulled weeds, collected litter, and worked day to night with very little to eat. They were given only a few grains of rice and water, so everyone had been malnourished, just skin and bones. <coughs> So my mom missed her parents so much that she came up with a plan to fake an illness and use that as an emergency, an excuse to visit her mom and dad. So when she went ahead to execute on this plan, the authorities like first didn't believe her, but she kept on begging and begging. And finally, she received permission to visit her parents. My mom was so clever, so she pretended to rub her body to make it look like she was red all over. So she just told the soldiers or the authorities that, look at me, I'm all red. 
Thanks for the ad, Jasmine. Yeah, so that was pretty funny and very clever. Of course, Matt would do something like this just with her character and all. So, <laughs> this is pretty funny part of the story. So, they brought my mom to see her parents. They said, okay, you can talk to them for a little bit because they saw that she was sick. But as soon as my mom saw her parents, she totally forgot everything that she was planning. She hugged them and she was so excited. And she was so happy to see them that she forgot to pretend to be sick with the authorities watching her. And the authorities thought, wow, she's not sick at all. So she got in trouble right away. And then my mom cried so much. And she thought in her head, oh, I have to go back to work again. And this time, she didn't know what to do. So after that incident, the authorities probably wouldn't believe anything my mom said anymore. She wasn't allowed any more visits to see her mom and dad. And, you know, from the story, I think it was pretty clever for my mom to find a way around the rules when she was just a little kid. <laughs> Yeah, so after that incident, she was not able to see her parents anymore. And it's funny because we <laughs> didn't know she was such a troublemaker, but sometimes that pays off, you know, even it was just for like those few seconds to see them. Um, so my grandma prepped vegetables. She pretty much worked in the kitchen the whole time. And that probably explains why she's amazing at um, cooking some of her classic dishes. So thank you, yay. We love your food. So my mom was recalling the how long it was until the Vietnamese troops came to Cambodia. So she said and grandma said that after five months, Vietnamese troops invaded Cambodia and more Vietnamese and or U.S. bombs were dropped. And I wanted to add a little bit more facts to that, too. So in 1979, Vietnamese troops invaded Cambodia, which marked the end of the Khmer Rouge regime. The Vietnamese troops began to take control over Phnom Penh, the capital of Cambodia, which forced the Khmer Rouge leaders and soldiers to retreat. <laughs> Yo, yo, 
So when all this craziness happened, when the bombs were dropped and you know things were exploding everywhere, my mom became frantic. She ran all over the place. She tried to find her family. My grandma said that the rich were able to flee in their own vehicles. Um, so my grandma found and grabbed her two young daughters and left the scene as quickly as she could. Um, they were not able to try to find my grandpa since that was nearly impossible to try to locate him since there was absolutely no time. You might hear some whining in the background because of my dog who has separation anxiety. <laughs> so apologies. <laughs> As soon as they got into the large vehicle, they fled. And it sounds like it was like a truck where there is space to stand in the back. And the vehicle kept going and going until they finally ran out of gas, which forced them to have to walk for a very long time. Throughout all of this, my grandma always kept a lookout for my grandpa. As they were walking, they found a big gasoline truck, thinking my grandpa was there, but he was not. So as they escaped, they were very lucky to have run into my grandpa's co-worker, who was my grandma's friend as well and my grandma asked hey have you seen my husband where is he and he confirmed that somehow they got separated but he knows that he's alive somewhere that he's not dead <laughs> this friend allowed them to ride in his vehicle, but there was no room to sit inside. So they had to put our grandma in the front. And my mom sat on top of the vehicle and laid on her back, staring and being mesmerized by the sky. Since there was not enough space inside the vehicle, she happily obliged to lay in the back by herself, immersed in her own thoughts. And my mom is a little bit weird. She laughed about how since she was on top of the vehicle, if there was a bomb that dropped, she would be the first one to die. And she laughs about it, which made us laugh. Um, and it's a sad thought to think about, but I think sometimes you have to laugh to make something, a situation better. So my mom explained that 
they were just enjoying the moment of not having to walk and eventually they know that this truck would run out of gas and she took this opportunity to have some peace and quiet to reflect and amidst the craziness and chaos um, that was happening in her life and she laughs because she was so small and frail that she could have easily flown away and no one would have noticed and she looks back at this memory and just laughs to herself. Despite this devastating time in her life, I do believe that humor goes a long way as well as keeping positive. It helps to make the situation just a little bit better. Then the truck unfortunately ran out of gas, so they hit a dead end. And it's amazing to me how many times they ran into a situation where their plan stopped and they needed to figure out what to do next. So my grandma's friend was no longer able to help them, so everyone hopped out of the vehicle and started walking by foot towards the Thai border. And now they were deep in the jungle. They had no idea what was going to happen next, all they knew was to keep going to stay alive. Keep in mind that they were walking barefoot and were barely carrying anything. Imagine walking outside in the hot weather without any water, snacks, or first aid kit for a month and a half. That's crazy. Yeah, ໄດ້ໄດ້ໄດ້ຖືປະຫອງຈະກະນັດນະໃຫ້ກະດັກບາຍດັກກໍຈູນຫນຶ່ງໆເວຈັ່ງຕາປອດເວຈຸມເວ
During this escape, they were paranoid about being hunted and found at any moment. I can't imagine how that must feel like um, and how much of a toll that is on your body and your health. My family's mission was to figure out how to survive until they found a safe haven. My family slept anywhere they could in the forest. When others slept, they slept. Once they started walking, they also started walking alongside them. So our family stuck with the crowds. <laughs> they stuck with the crowds because they didn't want to get lost. These were incredibly dangerous times and the chance for survival was very slim. But my family held on to the hope that they would be okay once they reached the border. With this in mind, it kept them motivated. They kept walking day and night for a total of 45 days. So in my grandma's mind, she knew it would be extremely hard to get admitted into the Thailand refugee camp, especially without any sponsors or documentation. One day, um, as they kept walking, they finally got tired and decided to rest in a shaded area away from the hot sun. And this is the story of the snake that we heard throughout our childhood. So they decided to, to lay in a spot um, and they were carrying a Cambodian rug called a gatheo so that they could have some sort of protection from themselves and the ground. So they took a nap and when they woke up and got ready to walk again, my mom was shocked that she had been sleeping on top of a snake. They all freaked out but came to realize that the snake had already been dead and it was a small one. So thank goodness that it wasn't more serious than that. That was definitely another close call. Sadly, my mom, aunt, and grandma witnessed a lot of deaths over time. It was tragic and heartbreaking. There were a lot of sick people around. My mom said that the worst thing she saw was seeing kids separating from their families and becoming orphans, unable to fend for themselves. They were sick and bleeding, and no one wanted to help them because it would be too much of a burden to have the child come along with them on the journey. My mom recalled seeing a young kid crying who was really sick and was begging strangers to help. 
And the most disheartening thing is that they couldn't do much for this kid. The kid was left to die saying, help me please, help me please. And it was a helpless situation. It was a helpless situation because my family had to take care of themselves first and they couldn't do anything about other people around them. And in our culture, we care a lot about other people and helping our community. So I'm sure it was a really hard decision to walk away from something like that. Hey, Mark, you're going to get a little bit of You know, you're going to get a little bit of a problem. You're going to get a little bit of a problem. You're going to get a little bit of a problem. So this is a, a really sad story. My mom also witnessed another kid starving because it was really hard to find food. And if you find anything, you know, you're going to eat it because you need to sustain your energy. So this kid was so hungry, he found a toad, he prepared it, cooked it, ate it, and didn't realize it was poisonous. So he died in front of my mom. Um, so keep in mind, when my mom first witnessed this death, she was seven years old. Imagine the impact this has on a young child. Yeah. <coughs> คือคลังอ่ะนึกว่าគ្នាឆ្លាមមានណាជួយ <coughs> <coughs> The kids who were really ill didn't have anyone to look after them. They were too weak to walk, so they laid and died on their own with animals and other dangers around. These kids were left behind, and this was a really tough situation to be in. My grandma added that these kids probably screamed for help, but no one probably did anything, so they were just left to die. And in this situation, everyone was just looking to survive. When you are also weak, sore, exhausted, how do you gather enough strength to help an another human being? These were the ch challenging choices they had to make every day. Crossing the, the river, crossing the line, and crossing the line, and crossing So they got really hungry and got to a resting area and decided it was, it was time to stop walking and find something to eat. My mom volunteered to hunt for some food. Um, one person from each family had a volunteer to cross the river and harvest some corn. So that was what my mom did. Yeah. 
a lot of people get poisoned food nó nó bị nó đó hay ngày mua ở mình mình hay là mẹ à mình hay là dễ ở tận nào rồi vậy miền mẹ ai đã rồi là hay mẹ crossing the river when I crossing no water về mẹ crossing tao mẹ đã từ tam kê từ rồi bột đó từ rồi cạnh bột mẹ tu yên cả năm spear tàu này từ đó từ đó khơi bột crossing tàu đó từ đó khơi bột ui tiệp bay lụa đỏ như thế thôi sẽ hào kê chui cạnh bột như phong như tao mai như phong như mày chẳng Việt Nam chú ý cái dân thờ cạnh không cạnh luôn ai khá cái chú ý mùi bí chân kỳ rợt tự tiết tàu lại lại cái tàu bắt đừng tự lọt tàu bình mà chê They witnessed so many families preparing and eating poisonous potatoes and saw more people dying As the oldest daughter, my mom automatically knew she needed to provide for her mom and younger sister and at that time, only my mom was in the best condition to walk, so she took it upon herself to get some corn for my grandma and my aunt. And she was very courageous to do so. So I'm going to share, we're going to share the river story. So my mom was a small child, but determined, as she is today. And she decided to cross the river when the tide was low, following a group of people. And she saw that there was plenty of corn, but she was too short to harvest them herself and to reach them as she was just a little child. And so she laughs as she recalls about it. And I just imagine Matt like trying to reach for it while other adults are like, you know, getting as much as they can. So it's just interesting to think about Matt as a little girl. So she asked for help, asking, can you please help cut some for me? I want to give it to my mom and sister but no one offered to help because they were fending for themselves. And Matt was in a hurry because she was scared that if people left, she wouldn't be able to find a way back. So naturally, she did what she, need, she knew to survive and tried different strategies to pick the corn. I'm sure my mom came up with a creative way to collect enough corn even though no one had helped her. She didn't know what she grabbed, but she wanted to carry as much as she could with her to feed the three of them. By the time she got to the river, she was shocked to see that the tide was so high that it would be too dangerous to cross. Everyone had already gone and left her. She thought that she was the only one left. She didn't know what else to do, but decided to sleep next to a tree um, by the river bank, and she would check back in the morning. <laughs> ແລະອ້າຍຕາມັນຕົມເວີ້ຫມួយນັ້ນອັດເດອ່າກິຕໍອ້າໃຫ້ມາດາວເວັ້ງເກເກລົກກະຫຼາຍຈິງຕົ້
this next part, you'll kind of hear them interacting with each other. So my grandma thought my mom was with the others and didn't realize she never crossed the bed. So my mom decided to stay put where she was and slept through the night, hugging her pile of corn, waiting by the water to be reunited with her mom and sister. And once she woke up in the morning, she was excited to see that the tide was low again and that she was able to cross and join her family. So luckily, my mom got back in time before they were planning to leave from this rest area. Because, you know, you can't really stay in one spot for very long. You have to keep moving. So if it had been one day later, or if she had gotten stuck on that side of the riverbank, my mom would have been left behind. She would have never made it back. When they set off on foot again, they left the sick behind. And my mom recalls again people saying, help me please, help me please. They didn't want to get sick either. Um, because they also felt very weak and tired. Unfortunately, this was what it was, and there wasn't anything more they could do. ແລະໄປໃນຕັ້ງຫຸດຫຸດປິນນະມາມາຍັງໂຈດ <coughs> 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 So now we come to the infamous leech story. We've heard this throughout our lives. <laughs> and my mom, aunt, and grandma set off on foot again. They walked and walked. And if you've ever been to Cambodia before, especially in the summertime, it is extremely hot and humid. I've had the opportunity to visit Cambodia twice, but I can save that for a future episode. So they were very exhausted, very um, hot, and they needed to cool off. And luckily they found a pond nearby. 
So the three of them decided to stop and wade into the water for a little bit. They had noticed water buffaloes cooling off in the pond too. So as my mom got up to leave the pond, my grandma and aunt stayed. And then suddenly, my mom heard her sister cry and scream so loud that a leech had lashed onto her and was causing her immense pain. They all suddenly became very alert. My mom took a look at her sister's body and discovered that the leech had snuck halfway into my aunt's butt. Shocked at what was happening, she began to beg. So in Khmer culture, when you respect someone, when you're saying hello to someone, you put your hands together, kind of like you're praying. So my mom was begging while putting her hands together and screaming for help. So she was being very kind and respectful, but people were running away and they didn't have a lot of time. Um, So no one helped. And when leeches latch onto you, you start to bleed and the affected area becomes itchy. So if the leech got inside my aunt's body, who knows what would have happened. So my grandma also asked around, but everyone was just in a hurry around them. We're laughing right now because of the situations that my mom had to go through as a kid and how clever she was. It's pretty amazing. Like, I don't think I would be able to think so quickly and come up with, you know, clever solutions like that. Um, yeah. You wanted to add something else? Yeah, and Matt has always been like that, like ever since we've known her our whole life. But it's just interesting to think about her as a little kid still being really resourceful and wanting to help others and just doing the best she can. So what she's saying is that, you know what? If no one's going to help, I'm going to help my sister. I need to figure out what to do. So she remembers that leeches are... Um, pretty dangerous and she felt sorry you know for her sister and so she was like okay I'm gonna find a stick and I'm gonna break it in half and if I can break it in half it'll make it very sharp so maybe I can stab it and remove it that way leeches are worm-like in appearance and once they latch on they suck your blood and can transmit infection they exist in tropical climates and are blood-sucking creatures that 
attempt to burrow into the tissue beneath your skin to feed off your blood. They're commonly encountered by people who swim in infested waters. And so my mom tried using her fingers to pull the leech off, but it's super slippery. So she came up with this genius technique, broke that stick in half, and then Jasmine can tell the rest of the story in just a moment. ได้มาเผยมาตาอู้ตัวโชซันเยอะเชิญมากัดจิปีกัดจิปีเต้าอ่ะกัดจิปีเต้าเวมีน่ะอ่าอ่าอ่านี่ตัวเกมเวียะจ
về lệ chân ta tự tình hộp dù máu khi spia dù máu kỳ bánh bùi xa So they kept walking on, and finally, on the 45th day, they finally reached the Thai border, but they were turned away. So the refugee camp was high up on a steep mountain overlooking a valley, and this place was hard to get to. My mom shared that they were holding sticks to keep balance, kind of like when you go hiking, and they got all the way up there, but people were being turned away. So my family had to keep waiting and find safety meanwhile, And yeah, if you cross illegally, they shared that you risk getting shot, and many people died this way. Oh, oh yeah, they said uh, they not they not let us. Our young boy, young Joe, went to Rome. Me, young man, all kind of high, na. Get our Joe, le. Toa tam yen nhẹ yung score, rồi co. Po kien tan tiệt tuong ban đi mà ở Joe đi. Tiệt tuong nhẹ na. Mày căng. Oh, thế hiền đắng. ก็ตรงเมียนเนี่ยเอ่อโดยยูอันนะยูอันเนี่ยเนี่ยช่วยช่วยเอ่อช่วยมนุษย์โลกอ๋อตาตาเปย์ปู่นุ่งเกย์เ
step on any landmines, thank goodness. During the Khmer Rouge, child soldiers were told to plant landmines, but they had not mapped out where they had planted them, or even if they kind of guessed where those mines could be, it's really hard to remember. And this is the legacy of three decades of war, which has taken a severe toll on Cambodians. It has 40,000 amputees, which is one of the highest rates in the world. It is estimated that there may be as many as four to six million mines. So that is just a little tidbit um, on landmines in Cambodia. So back to the story. Our family kept moving forward and didn't look back. However, those who had gone um, back to their homes were likely not to survive due to the risk of activating those landmines, which were planted throughout the whole country. Okay, cái năm dân chưa tấu, chưa tấu với viên viên ông ca cái bộ cang bộ ai mà cướp tiền cái support cái chưa dùng hộp gì ai mà ở nhắm ở đây tên là phần ta mà chạy nha cái cái mà ở dân rồi cái chậm dướng á cái ai tự ai mà hộp ai share thôi dân nào lúc lại để 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 sạc sạc chẳng hết còn ở đây dân survive survival phần ta đâu mua mua tiền đại mạng là những cái គឺមកមកគ្រោះអាប់នៅរេហ្វ្យូជីខេរមកធនទៅធិនហើយទៅធិនបកធិនវិធិនសិច the worst thing in the refugee camp is at night time. At night time, ពួកអាខូចខូចវាមកមកមកលួចធ្វើបាកកូនកំមកគេឬក៏លួចរបស់គេហ្នឹងហើយរៀបឬក៏លួចរបស់គេឬក៏មកឆ្លាប់គេអ
Okay, so as we wrap up the story, I do want to give you a summary of the outcomes. My grandma became pregnant in the last year of being in the refugee camp. She remarried to someone else um, who happened to have family in the U.S. This also helped my family make a case to come to the U.S. for a better life. Large Cambodian populations have settled on the west coast of the U.S. Um, I guess that's from my perspective, but I know that a lot of the Cambodian populations are now more spread out throughout the U.S. My mom says that originally we were supposed to settle in Seattle, Washington, but somehow was transferred to Salem, Oregon, which was where I was born two years later. Um, but pretty much I just want to say um, thank you to the Immigration and Refugee Services for saving our families' lives in giving them the opportunity for a better life. Yeah, អរគុណច្រើនអ្នកដែលបានស្ដាប់ស្ដាប់គ្រប់គ្រប់គ្នាសង្ឃឹមថាថ្ងៃក្រោយកូនបានចាប់ពាក្យខ្លះៗដើម
times. So we hope that you learn from our stories. Um, we must never forget our past. You know, we need to keep sharing them. And we hope that you found this a very meaningful and enriching experience. Jasmine and I are truly inspired by our family stories, the hardships and barriers they had to overcome. It really has taught us to value our family and time, to not take anything for granted because, you know, these stories give us a reminder that our problems are minimal compared to what they had to face and what other people in the world are facing now. Um, we must all, always remain humble and appreciate what our relatives have done for us. We appreciate you for tuning in today. Please share this link with family, friends, colleagues, to anyone who would be interested in hearing our family's backstory. We will have future series related to this topic um, as we interview different family members. So please keep listening. Thank you for taking time to learn about our family stories. If you have any questions or comments to share with us, please send us a voicemail message through Anchor, our podcast feed. We will answer your questions and feature your comments in a future episode. We look forward to hearing from you. Follow us on Spotify to get alerts for new episodes. Bye, everyone.